Hey, mamas. You are listening to I See You, Mama, the podcast, and I'm your host, Ariana Evans. This is episode number 36. If you are new to the podcast, welcome. I'm so glad you're here, and thanks for tuning in. To our longtime listeners or part-time listeners, welcome back. Just a bit about this podcast, we celebrate mamas just like you who are tending to little souls and attempting not to lose their own in the process and following their passions amidst motherhood, be that big or small. Um, we're here to really shine a light on that because it's it's a hard thing to do, um, to both care for other people and care for ourselves and do something creative uh, in the process. And my guests aren't always creative, but... I I feel like I attract a lot of those people into my life. So that's who you hear from a lot around here. Um, Okay, so this episode I get to talk to Flo Paris Oaks, a longtime friend. Um, She is a writer, a homeschool mama of teenagers, which is what I don't even know. I'm not there yet. A songwriter, a singer. Um, She tours with uh, a band where she they do kids music and it's beautiful and she writes a curriculum for um a creation care program here in nashville and that's actually worldwide and i think you're going to really enjoy uh hearing what she has to say so before we jump into that i just want to say um i'm coming up on the end of the first year of being a podcast host well i mean technically we launched in march but this idea came to me Um, while I was driving back from seeing family in Texas and it was a long, boring stretch of road. It's like 15 hours to my family in Houston. (laughs) It was a long way. Um, but this idea for this podcast came to me when I was driving back and I was thinking about all the really, really powerful, beautiful conversations I have with mamas just like you who are doing these really cool things and nobody ever talks about them or if they do, they, you know, They bring them up and you're like, what? You never told me this amazing thing you do. And they're like, oh, yeah, it's not that big a deal. But it really is. It really is. So I'm coming up on a year of getting to interview Mamas Like You. This is episode number 36, which I didn't think uh, when I launched one. I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. Yay, here we are. So this is episode number 36. And um, I think I mentioned this previously, but if I didn't, I'm telling you right now. Uh, So I'm taking the month of December off of actually putting out new episodes. And so that'll give everyone a chance to catch up. If you haven't listened to any of the past episodes, go back and listen to some really cool ones. They're really, these are really powerful stories from moms who are doing the same thing as you. And it's, it's just a really cool thing. Um, so you'll get a chance to catch up. You can listen to one a day and you might catch up by Christmas. No, you won't. I promise. There's too many. So after you've caught up, which as moms, um, that, I don't know that that ever happens. Uh, but if you do have a chance to catch up or just listen to the really good ones, which I'm not going to tell you which those are, just pick your favorite. They're all pretty amazing guests. Um, when you've caught up, I would love to hear from you. If you could, uh, reach out on social media, um, where the podcast, I say we, like we're a collective, it's just me right now. <laughs> um, we're on social media. We're on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram, and I don't post a ton because I'm still working on that, but um, I do look at it and I do read it, and so if you reach out or tag me or um, something like that, I'm definitely going to see it, and I would love to hear back from you, so drop me a line. You can also email me 
at, um, oh, 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 here's what you should do. No, I'm, I'm not going to boss you around. But here's what you could do. So all of your little smartphones and my smartphone, and they're not little, they're big honking things. They come with um, a voice memo or a voice recorder feature, which really just records you talking or whatever you're doing. Um, and if you have something to say and you would like to tell me um, something that you do, something that you're passionate about, something that you're excited about, something that I should go check out, you can always leave me a voice memo. And um, what you do is you record that and then you save it. And then you email it to icumamapodcast at gmail.com. And I'll get to hear that. So uh, do that. Reach out. I'm not telling you what to do, but I would love to hear from you. Um, also, it is uh, the Sunday that I'm recording this on, right before Thanksgiving. And I am thankful for so many things this year. I'm thankful for this podcast. I'm thankful for the guests I've gotten to talk with on here. I'm thankful Oh man, it's been such a good year in so many crazy, crazy ways that I never saw coming. Um, but I would love to hear about, about what you're thankful for or grateful. Um, I have a mentor who makes me write gratitude lists when I'm ever in a crappy mood, which is sometimes often. I'll be truthful. Um, so I find that really helpful to write down what I'm really grateful for. Um, Anyway, so drop me a line. Check it out. Just know that this is the last podcast for um, the month, the year 2019. And we'll see you back in 2020. And here we go with Flo Paris Oaks. Hey, mamas. This is my guest, Flo Paris Oaks. Hello. Hi. Thanks for being here. It's great to be here. Yeah. We have power again. Everything's working. Yeah, tea. Tea. What could go wrong now? (laughs) (laughs) So Flo is, I've known you for a long time. Yes. I was just thinking I knew you before you had kids. So at least that long. Yeah, because you moved here in 08 and I was pregnant. Yeah. And we met while I was pregnant. Yeah. And you were like, you should get a doula. And I was like, nah. (laughs) And then I realized with my second tea, I was like, I need a doula. I forgot about that. (laughs) Yeah. And then you, because you had your oldest then. We had two. I had two. Already in yeah. 2008? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So Flo is the mother of two girls who are teenagers. Yes. And um, she's a singer-songwriter. So um, you perform under Flo Paris. Yes. You perform. It, are you under, is it Flo Oaks for Rain for Roots? It's, it's Flo Paris Oaks okay. or Flo Paris. So Flair, you perform under Flo Paris, and then you're in a band called Rain for Roots. Yes. And they put out, um, what's the tagline? It's so sweet. Well, it's music for families. Right. It's big, you know, the, the big stories, telling the big stories for little for little ones. Right. Um, Give them roots and wings. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Isn't that part of y'all's? Is it Maybe that was just from Alice. It might have been, yeah. yeah. <laughs> to give them roots. and But to, um, to explain big truths and big yes, stories big truths yeah yeah for little ones and yes. that they're really sweet and that first your first album you partnered with um sally lloyd jones yeah sally so lloyd jones the author of the storybook bible as well as other other books um and the hug bible which yes. provided the lyrics um in the form of 10 poems for our first album right. which was very sweet to start it was out really sweet. and it's neat because you know they're 
very much for those little ages, those yeah. first songs, and they've definitely grown as our kids have grown. So yeah, it was nice to start that way. I think it was a good, good beginning. That was good. Yeah. It was really. I've been following it for a long time. We have we have all your albums, Aww. and the kids like I've taken them different places and performed them at like churches when I worked Sweet. with camps and stuff. Yeah. So yeah, you guys are my Aww. people. Sweet. Um. <clears throat> so you have your own personal music, the band's music. You write children's books, which one's in process right now? Yes, that's yeah, beginning, yes. really beginning. Yes, author. Waiting on art and writing yeah. and all of this. And then um, you homeschool your teenage girls. Yes. <laughs> and yes. you've been homeschooling them since they were little, right? Yeah. We did one year with our oldest in kindergarten, then took a break. And then when she was in third grade, she's a sophomore in high school now. And so it's we've homeschooled her since third grade. And okay. our younger daughter was in second grade, first grade. I can't remember. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so they only did like a little bit. Of they did a little school. bit of public school, yeah, which I am grateful for because they learned to read there. <laughs> and <laughs> it's really hard to teach people to read. I never to teach anybody how to read. Ah, <laughs> it's really hard. I've had to do some remedial work with yeah. a couple of my kids, and I'm like, oh, this is yeah. mind numbing. Yeah, it's really and ugh. yeah, it's hard. And honestly, now they're they go to a tutorial a few days a week, and I don't really saying I homeschool them is kind of. Uh, generous I don't really I check in and make sure yeah I make sure they you know are on top of their schedules but I really don't teach we listen to some history podcasts together and talk about it but that's it (laughs) they do miss their work yeah at the tutorials they do it there or on their own yeah Yeah. very cool I didn't so you homeschool your two girls and then um you write curriculum for uh would you say it's a company or an organization it's a non-profit Christian environmental conservation organization called okay. Arasha. Yes. So it was, um, it began in Portugal as a bird field center, um, study center, okay. and it's grown to be in 30 countries over the last 30 years. Um, what does Arasha mean? It means the rock in Portuguese. Okay. It was started by um, a sweet couple who, a British couple, um, Peter and Miranda Harris and their vision for just uh, loving creation well and being very hospitable and inviting others to care for creation and what that looks like in different parts of the world is very different you know and so here in the U.S. a big part of our work is developing curriculum for kids so like a creation care camp that a church could put on kind of like a VBS in the summer for a week a day camp where they, you know, just get to be together and learn, be outside and explore nature and um, have a feast every day. And it's very sweet. So very cool. I've been doing that for the last three or four years. So do you write like activities or like scripts for the teachers? Like what is that involved yes, both. in your curriculum? So I'll write, sometimes I'll kind of curate and bring an activity that exists into the curriculum for sure. But I'll try to think of activities that fit the year's theme so there's four years of curriculum and there's four themes I'm just this uh, fall have I've just started writing the fourth and last year in the rotation so the themes um, are wonder care flourish and share and um, we just want to kind of foster that natural curiosity and wonder that kids 
already have you know it's we, yeah we don't really need to teach kids to appreciate <laughs> creation <laughs> they already do <laughs> but just giving them space to do that and so I'll write activities that are um we kind of come at a few different angles try to pack in pack in a lot in a in a day or a week um we always want a science component kind of a nature observation component devotional spiritual formation component games like just joyful play um and some arts and crafts so there's a lot of elements that we try to balance throughout the whole week and so I'll write activities that reflect the theme also kind of point back to conservation in some way um but again we're not trying to get kids to you know it's very it, we're very careful we don't want it to feel like guilt or yes. shamey about yes. you know you should go home and recycle you know I mean there's definitely don't you fail right. <laughs> <laughs> there's definitely hands-on elements and things you can do but the whole organ the organization as a whole is very um kind of propelled by hope so yeah. it's hope and conservation. It's not It's not this kind of despondent and despairing. We're all going to die. Right. I mean, <laughs> and they, it's serious issues. These are serious yeah. issues that we need to address. And especially, I think, if we are Christians that believe that God made and loves the things that, you know, made the world and loves the world. Right. Made, you know, that matter actually matters to God. Yeah. Um, then it's important that we care about it and and that it's life-giving to care about it and that we can actually experience God in those moments and so um you know where there's just a place for I think there's a place for all different kinds of camps and experiences and so there's the camps that are out there that are a little bit more um high energy maybe um a lot of yelling with the yelling and the loud music and the jumping and the you know and the crazy games that you probably did in youth group growing up you know and all of that and shaving right right and what I have found personally is that my kids and again like there's a place for everyone and every you know those camps are great because they serve some you know people in those moments in those places that are looking for that I found that my kids kind of shy away from that and start to feel like they don't they feel pressured to right. join in these activities or pressure to sing and clap when they don't necessarily feel like doing that and right. so I have noticed that this camp for them personally um, offers time and space to kind of just be a little bit more contemplative and to be able to be themselves and still connect with God and in a not high pressure way you know and um there's I've been learning a lot and reading a lot about children's spirituality and it's so interesting because the Mr. Rogers documentary that was out last year that I feel like everyone needs to see like five times um (laughs) he even mentioned how his talked about how his show was so much slower compared to what was out there so he kind of was reacting against these flashy um, entertaining, you know, quick images, all of that. And he said, you know, what his show offered was slow space. I think this is what he said. Slow space, but not wasted space. Like it was right. intentional space. Yeah. And that was so, um, that's been actually validated like scientifically and through research that this is important for kids and for their brains to have these moments where they're not just constantly entertained. Right. 
and in specifically in spirituality like those are the times where they connect with God and hear from God and Mm. so I think that for a lot of years we've maybe been afraid to give kids that agency like to believe that they can actually have their own spiritualities and to believe like well they might hear something from God that I never even know about yeah because I didn't ask them for an answer I didn't make them give me an answer we didn't you know have a Q&A at the end of our <laughs> session um, we do I mean we definitely have a discussion and touch on what we've talked about in the activity or the lesson that we provide but there's just a lot of space yeah. for kids to wonder um, to ask questions to be quiet to have these moments of reflection and what I have seen is or have heard is that at first sometimes facilitators and teachers are nervous about that like they're mm-hmm. like oh our kids won't sit still and listen to birds chirping for five minutes like that's impossible <laughs> but they do yeah. like they totally do um so I think that's that's been on my journey probably from the moment I started writing the curriculum till now I'm writing wrapping up the last year we've um I've personally shifted towards more adding more space even and giving more time for that because I've seen it really work in practice with the kids it's really I mean as an as like a an add-on to that I've experienced that with my own kids when Mm -hmm. they are still and quiet as particularly one of my children um had this thing that kept happening at 3 a.m where they would wake up and come to my bedside and be like mom oh man I really want to know I really want to know Jesus. And I'm like, it's three in the morning. You can know him at another time. Like, and when I, they kept asking me like, but I really want to pray that oh. prayer. And I really want to make the, I really want to, but I don't want to do it wrong. And I'm like, oh, it's 3 a.m. And my husband was like, what are you doing? Pray the prayer. And I'm like, I have a baby and it's 3 a.m. And I can't, you do it. Like, I would tell him about it in the morning. He was like, what? And it happened like several nights in a row. And I was like, oh my gosh, this kid is like Samuel being called in the night. It's not me calling you, babe. Talk to God. (laughs) Like what? It just, but that that occurred and I saw Hmm. that for my children. I was like. Oh, there's things happening oh, here. Oh, yeah. Yeah, more than just like, uh. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? I, w- I went to a conference last spring or a couple springs ago where they were talking about how we've kind of gone through these different eras of how we believe, what we believe is the best way to teach children. Right. So, um, you know, we used to think they were like these sponges absorbing everything like we could just like they were these empty vessels without anything going on and we would just tell them whatever we want and um and then it went into more of like an entertainment kind of space you know where they would it was all about what do you want what do they you know what is the most fun what is shiny right and that kind of didn't work either and (laughs) and who knows what we'll think about what we're doing now later you know but I think that this seems like the best so far approach is to is this um like the guy like thinking of ourselves adults as guides mm-hmm. um and I can't remember there's another word not even guide more of a like we're on the same level like yeah. we are learning together yeah um oh I can't so I met with a a woman who is um she's a godly play trainer I'm not sure if you've 
for godly play, but it's uh-uh. a children's curriculum for church that churches generally use. And um, it was very much, it comes out of kind of the Montessori uh, learning style and you'll set up your lesson with kids with these, um, with these props. You know, you might have like wooden figures that you're moving around to tell a Bible story. And Does that involve a flannel graph? Not generally. <laughs> Do you remember the flannel graph? Totally. Like, and totally. Yes, it does. The there is some felt sometimes, but it's on the floor, <laughs> and you're sitting in a circle, and you'll move these pieces around and tell a story very slowly, and then you never. There's not a time where it's a teaching like, and then this is what that means, and this is what it should mean for you. There, right. it never gets there. It oh, you tell the story, you let it lie, and then you ask questions. Um, you know, you might say, "I wonder," you know, I they're called wondering questions. So you might say, you know, "I wonder what Mary was thinking when she met Jesus at the tomb." You know, I wonder why she didn't know it was him at first. And yeah. so you ask these questions, and you get. I'll never forget. We um, someone led this in our in our church one day, and. A, a child after they said, I wonder why she didn't know that it was Jesus or I wonder why she didn't believe or something. And the child said, I wonder if she thought it was too good to be true. And we were all <laughs> like, and then I started crying because that's how I think it gets to these, like I feel that way as an adult. And the yeah. wonderful thing about that kind of, you know, quote unquote teaching method is that it, um, I think that even if I'm in the middle of not knowing what something means or I feel really full of doubt, I don't feel inauthentic teaching to a child right. because we're just kind of discovering it together. So I'm yeah. not sure what they're going to get out of it, what they're going to hear. It might be different Can than I what I do this I at home with yes. my children? <laughs> it's because. amazing. But, um, but all that to say, we, I went to a training for this, using this curriculum, and the, the trainer, she, um, she said that in, you know, we're, we're kind of learning, I think, as a Christian culture, more about spiritual direction. Like people are, it's a little bit more accessible now. I think it was, it was, I don't know, it's a little more mainstream, I guess Mm -hmm. is what I'm saying. And she said that in other countries that she's practiced spiritual direction in, um, like they don't use the word direction. I'm trying to think of the word. It's, um, oh, spiritual accompaniment. Oh yeah. So it's, the idea that you're not teaching down to somebody right. you're learning along with. Yeah. And I, and that is at this children's spirituality conference. I went to, um, the keynote speaker, Scotty May, who's amazing, writes amazing books about children's spirituality. She ended on that idea that we are accompanying, accompanying these children on yeah. the journey. And what does that look like? Um, and it's, I think you have to let go of a lot of control and fear of like, but what if, you know, yeah. I have to tell them the answers to to all these things. <laughs> I think personally as I have experienced more uncertainty and mm-hmm. probably doubt and all of those things in my own faith journey, it's actually more comfortable for me yeah. to not have all the answers because I don't feel like that's possible for me anymore. Right. So I think how could I tell my child yeah. this is exactly what that means and this is right. what that means for you. Um, and it's a lot of faith of believing that kids – are able to connect with God themselves and have their own spiritualities. And I think it's the word I keep thinking about as I write this curriculum and do work with children's music and all those things is just dignity. Like I giving kids dignity that they are humans, like they're full humans, yeah. like, you know, 
Um, they're not half baked. Right. <laughs> they're they're, not like, they're well, there. You know. So. I love I love that. And be and you know, as any parent would know, your full human arrived. Like my daughter has been exactly mm-hmm. who she was. Right. From yeah. like when she was internal. Like her behavior, exactly. I was like, "Oh yeah, yeah." You can tell a difference. That makes yeah. sense. My yeah. son, yes. that was how you acted when I you know. were in my body. That's yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> and so they, there are just so many things that I, like Matt and I have been going through a similar, individually, but also like we talk about it together. Mm-hmm. This sort of like deconstructionist mm-hmm. phase of our faith, where we're like, oh, "Do we really believe?" Like, all these things that we did at 16 right, or at 22. Right. Um, and how do we live that out? And how do we teach our kids? And how do we... Like, I don't want to say something to them and be like, but I don't really believe that right. anymore. <laughs> right. So, but yeah. don't listen to me. Yeah. yeah. But I need... I want them to know. I want them to, to like, grow up with that um, sense of an understanding of, like, our faith tradition. and right. And not, like... You know, here's the chalice and here's right. the blah blah, but not like here's the. Somebody was saying there at their church, their children were learning like here's the sacristy, and she was like, "What? <laughs> what about like a Bible story? Right. <laughs> like, why are you teaching them this right. weird stuff? Like the traditions, <laughs> but not the story, right? And she's like, I don't want them to know that stuff. I like, I mean, they'll learn all that stuff yeah. just by like being near it. That that's not pivotal, right, to who they are as right. people in the world right so like yeah this... and well, yeah what I love about this way of teaching kids and using like we've u- been using the godly play curriculum is it's not um it's still very orthodox and scriptural like you're reading these bible stories but right. you're not interpreting it right and then telling them that they need to believe it the same way you know right. so it's it's just giving them that space and agency to be able to take that, I think it's like giving them this gift of growing up with these stories and these scriptures and and knowing that in different times of their life, they might, it might seem, look different, um, right. feel different. Um, you're going to get, what I love about teaching this way is that even on a different day, I might say, I wonder why, you know, whatever the question is. And I would have a different answer than I do last week because of something that happened yeah. in my life that day. Yes. And I'm sure as you age and grow and... Mm-hmm. You know, it's still scripture. It's still the same. Like God's the same, but right. you're coming at it. You're, you know, learning that there's these different dimensions, and yes. that you'll never probably know one. There's not one way to look at it, and one yeah. um, necessarily one message all the time. It's been that was one of the early things that I was like, I feel like a heretic <laughs> saying it out loud, because I grew up a certain way in a mm-hmm. certain certain type of my faith tradition, and like to say that people also come at things so there's like you know they call them the the stool the three legs of the stool like Mm. tradition scripture and then um your personal experience and then like one one denomination does that and then another denomination adds a fourth one and i can't remember what it is but i think it's like societal sort of thing like because you're never gonna not approach your faith without like do like separated, severed right. from yourself. Like, right. Meow. I'm, you know, I'm just a, this floating head and I'm contemplating yeah. things yeah. in the world. Like you're always going to bring yourself and your life and your day and your experiences and your history and yeah. t- with you. Yeah. You know, we're all, what, do, what is it? Somebody, I can't remember who said it. Like we are 
we're perpetual little meaning maker machines. Mm. Like we're the, we're little factories, like seeking out meaning. Like I want to know why this happened. Some of us probably more than others. Right. (laughs) In the middle of the night. (laughs) Yeah. We're like 3 a.m. Like what am I thinking about? Why am I awake? Is this all true? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, how did it even come about that you are working for Russia? Yeah. Um, yeah, kind of, kind of crazy. Um, so I went to a meeting locally in East Nashville at a friend's house where um, I think we watched a video and heard someone speak who was involved with Arasha because there was enough um, interest in this area. Um, people, people just really wondering what can we do for creation? What can we do, um, especially as Christians? Because I think sadly that's it's not common to yeah. hear Christians um, be involved in environmental work. Right. Um, and so I had, I had kind of felt that longing of, I wish that there was Christian community that cared about the earth, which seems so crazy to say, like, why Uh, wouldn't we? But, um, I had gone back to school when my daughters actually went to public school for those couple years. I went back to school because I had never gotten an undergrad degree and I'd always wanted to. Mm -hmm. And I went back to study English and writing. And I thought that was it. Just, you know, no, no, um, other concentration, just kind of the writing. Um, and halfway through, I realized, I don't know why, but everything I was writing about was like food justice or farming. And I don't, yeah. I don't know if maybe because I was reading Wendell Berry, I just had discovered Wendell Berry and I was reading a lot. I don't know what it was at the time, but it was really just something I was thinking about so much. And then at that same time, kind of these little whisperings about maybe we can start an Arasha program in Nashville and what would that look like? That kind of started happening at that same time. And as we got involved with Arasha here in Nashville and growing that program, we, um, I kind of felt like, I wish I knew more science. Yeah. Like I don't, I want to write. I want to, I love to write and I would love to write for this organization in some way, you right. know, and, but I don't know enough, um, about the science to really write about what they're doing. Um, And so I wound up actually changing my major from English to integrated studies where you take two majors and combine them. And I studied English and sustainability. And then my final project was writing a year of camp curriculum for the kids. And there was already a wonderful, robust Arasha curriculum for older kids that came out of California. Um, so I was kind of writing for the younger set and for um, the the curriculum that came out of California at the time was a little bit more um, geographical. Like it, it, it wasn't as broadly accessible. Um, there were some, a lot more lessons about California geography and things like right. that. So I was going to write about um, kind of some, a curriculum that you could use in any state and, right. and you know, and so... Um, kind of all at once, I started working for Arasha, graduated, had learned all this <laughs> science and enough, I mean, not probably, you know, enough to, to write yeah. about it for the, the camp. And um, and what's neat is that the program in Nashville kind of took on these three different branches, which one was camp development. And we had a couple of churches use the curriculum and in town. And so I got to see how it 
worked like in action before sending it out to yeah. other places in the country. Another branch was, um, you know, in Nashville, we kind of don't, um, there were other places in the world where it made so much more sense to have an Arasha program where there might be, you know, deforestation happening or a, a bird, you know, certain kind of bird that's going extinct or something that you can actually, you feel like, oh, well, that was an obvious kind of biological environmental need and they addressed it and they're right. like regrowing this forest or they're helping bring this, you know, save this animal or whatever. Um, and in Nashville, we were trying to think, what is here? You know, like, what do we do in Nashville in the yeah. city? And so that's kind of how we came came up with these three areas that just were organically kind of sprung up, which was the camp and then arts. So um, mm. a lot of musicians and artists getting together for songwriter retreats and writing songs for the church that are focused on creation, creation care, cool. and God's love of creation. And then... Um, and then the third element was kind of this citizen science, like let's grow pollinator and rain gardens in your own yard. And that yeah. has a big effect if it's, um, if it's in a lot of yards and in, in a city. So that is, um, that's kind of how Nashville Arasha developed and how I got involved. Okay. Um, and it's, I, I love it. I kind of nerd out about <laughs> like, I'll get to I'll get to write and I'll be like, Oh, I'm going to, you know, learn everything I can about, salamanders today for this station or yes. you know we have there's a station where kids get to um sculpt play-doh into animal scat okay. which is the fancy <laughs> word for poop, poop? like yep. it's the best it's so we, I, i'm just all the time like this is the weirdest and <laughs> most fun but you know what for my sons that would be like their dream right. i made a dog turd right right <laughs> right i made some deer pebbles right. like poop pebbles. <laughs> and then there's stations so there's like that and then there will be times where you get to just sit on a blanket and listen and and kind of just be reminded that um part of being creation and being also created and a creature is that we have bodies and that we're part of this whole thing and that God made us good. And so it's good and lovely to taste a sweet strawberry. It's good and lovely to feel a breeze on your skin, like kind of um, validating and bringing back that embodiment, you know, for, for kids so that they they don't kind of grow up in that um, that uh, dangerous, I think, kind of theology that um, separates body and spirit. Yeah. Um, and well, and that to subdue and rule over does not mean destroy. Right. Absolutely. Also, right. Like, right. Not just like, and I'm going to basically pillage. Right. <clears throat> for my own. Yeah. Because I was. This is this is how I subdue. Right. You know, there's absolutely, yeah. I think there's so much to be said for that, and and uh, you know, we also, as a family, take like a slower approach to life, mm-hmm. and my kids hate it. <laughs> they they feel so put upon that we do not live in a technological home, and that right. they do not have access to all the technology they want, yeah. and they are so mad at me. Because all their friends have blah, blah, blah. I'm like, listen, <laughs> I just can't go at that pace. Yeah, yeah. I can't live it's at that pace. It's so countercultural to do that. It's really hard, I think. It is really it's hard. It's difficult. It's, it's, you know, my kid, <clears throat> excuse me, um, my middle kid who's eight, 
he was convinced that he needed to be this character from a video game for Halloween. And I'm like, you've never even seen this. But, <laughs> and it's an adult, oh. violent video game, but they marketed it to him, a child, right. his size. I ended up buying it, let's be honest, because there wasn't, <laughs> he wanted to be a mummy instead, and I couldn't find it, and it was like the day of, and I had to work, and blah, yeah, blah, blah, yeah, blah. Yeah. But like, that he knows who that character is. Right. In a game that he is rated, are like rated adult. Right. And that there's marketing, and they're pushing my kid to want to be involved. And there are kids at his school who already play it. Yeah. At his yeah. age. And they're witnessing like, atrocities yeah yeah that they're committing right for the sake of a game and i'm just like Whoa. um it's really it's really hard yeah and we hear about it probably weekly that we're the meanest <laughs> parents ever <laughs> and we're so you know don't know what we're talking about and everybody does this and what's wrong with it and like we have to have that conversation probably weekly where we defend our choices right. to our own kids right you yeah. know who are like this is stupid absolutely yeah like, it's, yep. <laughs> yep yeah it's hard and I think having teenagers it's um it's the time of life where you're like seeing your return on investment <laughs> you're like <laughs> oh gosh um did you know all the stuff that you're like I hope they forget about that when they're older <laughs> and like some of the things they didn't you know and yes. you're like the way you parented and you're like oh gosh okay um, but some of the things I think like, um, it has been difficult to kind of push against that pace and that culture. And, um, I, but I think I've seen some of the fruit of that now as they're older and they like want yeah. to be with us and they want to play a game mm-hmm. on the weekend with us. And of course they're still teenagers. Like they want to hang up their friends and watch movies and, right. you know, get a thousand text messages in a day but like they still I feel like they have a lot of um balance and a lot of um I just think those seeds that were sown matter you know like I think I can see a lot of that a lot of that happening and and it's not I think I don't want to paint a picture of like it's so rosy Mm -hmm. and like either in our family or just for like this idea of like conservation or not just conservation but this relationship with nature and creation that is like a utopia or something like that's it requires sacrifice Mm -hmm. um I think to get like practical conservation requires sacrifice because it's a lot easier to just have them give me plastic bags at the grocery store like it's easier than remembering my fabric bags that get like moldy honestly (laughs) sometimes um or whatever like it's easier but it just takes time I think when we practice these other ways though they do become part of you like they're formative and they matter and they start making a difference in your life and in the world and so I think it's important but and at the same time you know I feel like we have tried to cultivate a life for our family and our kids that is slower and not high pressure and all of those things and you know we still all of us deal with anxiety and mental health issues and like I think that that there was a time when I had younger kids that I thought oh if you do it this way everybody turns out right like I really think I thought that I mean I really did think that and it's 
so embarrassing to look back and think I was so judgmental, you know, yeah. and so thought I had all these answers. And I think um, after going through some difficult times, you realize like, you know, man, like this is just a hard, it's a hard world to live in sometimes and you can't yeah. escape the anxiety and you can't escape some of those things. And yeah. um, I think it's important to still talk about that so that it doesn't sound like, oh, if you just stick your kid on a blanket outside listening to birds, <laughs> like they're going to be fine. Like that's not yeah. what I'm saying either, you know. But, but, but again, there's so much like, there's this research I just read. Um, I think it's in England that... Um, they're starting to prescribe like time outside in the dirt, like put your hands in the dirt yes. to relieve some actual like mental health anxiety and depression and things like that. And I it's... believe it. <laughs> I believe it. Like I, oh. I'm kind of weird about not wanting to wear shoes. Yeah. And Matt's like, it's so dirty. I'm yeah. like, I love dirt. Yeah. I love being dirt. Like it, it's to have crazy. my feet in the grass is a, a it is a, it is an experience. It changes. I think it changes you. Like I'll go outside. I'll be in a funk or something. Go outside and lay on the grass for just a minute mm-hmm. and look up at the sky. And it's, it's on one hand, I think it can sound so, um, I don't know, like, ooh, woo, woo. Like you're going oh, outside. Hippie yeah, hippie, but it's actually so, <laughs> like it's a physical thing yeah. and it's so grounding. And it's a reminder that we aren't just spiritual creatures um kind of getting through this terrible earth like this is a good place that that was created like the clouds and the sky and the grass and all of that um those are good things that and that there's this connected connectedness you know with that 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 was on purpose yes well and I feel like that our kids in some way know that like we've I remember our first camping trip where we took Judah was a baby. He was like nine months old and Cora was three and we were there for four days and then we came back and we were unloading. It was, you know, the end part of camping trips. We were like, oh, it's not fun anymore. I got to load all this stuff out of the car. And we set up, my daughter and I just set up chairs, our little camp chairs in the front yard. She's like, I don't want to go inside yet. I'm like, me neither, kid. Sweet. Like, this is I want to just be out here too in the yeah. sunshine looking at the trees. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and she was so little, but she didn't want to go inside right. into this manufactured, you know, our house is nice, right. but it's still, you know, not the same as right. being when we're away. And it's, we take our kids camping a lot and it's, it's a reset for them. Yeah. Like they're wild in ways. They're like wild little mud children when we go camping. It's wonderful. In ways that like they don't have an opportunity to be to be dirty and free yeah. and wild in the city. Right. They don't. Like we don't have a yard big enough. Right. I dream about it, but that yeah. means I would have to give up my so like right. my There's, social connections and, that's and good structure. Too, though. And like the city is a good place. Like that's yeah. you know, not to demonize one or no. or romanticize the other, you right. know, but it's I need yeah. the I need the support system right. that is living in the city yep. that is living in the city with in proximity with other people yeah. who are doing life with me. Yeah, I need that. Yeah. So, yeah, it's so good. <laughs> it's so it's and to see it like play out. There's so many um, just recent things that I've been learning about that I I'm sure lots of people have known about them for a long time, but like that I didn't realize um, that there are these little things in your brain called mirror neurons, mm. and um, like children, like young infants, like they, they, um, 
observe you and then their brain recreates what you're feeling inside of them. Oh, which man. is both damning <laughs> and glorious. Well, shoot. <laughs> I know, no, but it's like, no, it it's why things like depression are yeah, contagious. Right. It's why things like anxiety is contagious. Right. Like, and, and to know that and to see like, oh, I have a responsibility to also take care of myself enough where I can accompany my children on a journey that's not like, well, you'll be fine someday and you'll figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> like, just go. Ugh. But I like accompanying them on this journey where we together are like outside and yeah. experiencing things and building and making and learning and, and coping with things that are yeah. hard. And, you know, yeah. it's when I, when I read about that, I was like, dad, come in. <laughs> that's so heavy it to is. carry. Yeah. But it also means that, like, I can't just fling them to the wolves and right, be like, you're right. going to be raised by <laughs> video games and right. cartoons because they're taking they're taking that in and incorporating it into right. their character yeah, and they, into who they are as people. And I'm like, hmm. Yeah. Can't I just take a nap and y'all watch a movie? <laughs> Ugh. Oh. Like, Sunday afternoons after... You know, we go to church and then we hang out and we have lunch and all this stuff. And then I'll let them watch a movie while I edit this podcast because yeah. it's it goes out on That's, Mondays. Yeah. And whenever inevitably I'm not done by Sunday and I'm like, yeah. ah, down to the crunch. And um, but like having to remember, like sometimes I have to wait for them to go to bed, and I'll just stay up late because yeah. the the trade off is they just get to watch like the dumbest right <laughs> stuff right. that I'm right. like, no. Yeah. Uh, let's play a board game. Yeah. And I think, I don't know if this was rolling when we were talking about this earlier, but um, that reminds me about how I felt or I thought it would get, I would need, they would need less of me mm. as they got older. And it was easier for me to do, um, you know, I, I just remember like writing so many songs and just, yeah. you know, doing all this stuff when they were little. And part of that is because I felt like we were, even though we were in the same room, I might even be writing it. We had different, uh, they were in their own world and they weren't paying attention as right. much to me or, you know, it right. just feels different. They feel like roommates now. It's like we're, <laughs> my husband and I share a home with two roommates. Two roommates. And I love them so much. It's such a weird thing of like, oh my gosh, now I don't want them to leave. Like you kind of fantasize about them getting yeah. older when you're little, when they're little. And now I'm like, no, there's two and a half more years with my That's oldest daughter insane. and she, you know, oh, I just can't think of it. Like it makes mm. me like cry to <laughs> think about her, like both of them leaving because I just love being around. Like they just yeah. add so much to our home and it just feels like you're yeah. living with your best friends and it feels like you're living with your best friend. Like you're like, yeah. oh, and we don't really have a lot of space or quiet mm -hmm. time or any of that. But when they were little, I think I was able to get a lot more done than I thought. I, you know, and even because you could stick them in front of, you know, a, an hour of a movie once a week is not yes. that harmful, I think. Right. And so, you know, but you could do those things. And I feel like at their ages now, we're just together a lot more. Like they're mm -hmm. talking to us. They're involved in our conversations. We're yeah. together, you know, in the living room at nine at night like there's not that oh they've gone to bed <laughs> and now I'm bed. gonna go do my creative thing because yes. they I don't have that time anymore right because they're with us and um I think it's I think I, I mean I'm, I'm glad for that because we're so close to them leaving so I yeah. want to like soak up every minute so I feel like the, there's been this return to how they felt when they were 
infants or toddlers where I felt like this urgency Mm -hmm. to just be with them and like they needed me. I felt like we kind of had a break for a few years and now we're like, I'm, you know, they, there's just other ways that they're, their needs are different, but they're yeah. there, you know? And yeah. then there's a lot of driving. Like, a lot of driving teenagers. I don't know why. <laughs> there's so much driving. My older daughter <laughs> just got her permit, so she's learning. Yes. And I have heard a lot of people say, I think, like, some... It's, like, meant... It happens this way on purpose or something, where you are driving your child so much right before they get their license that then you're not as scared of them getting their license. Like, you're ready for you're them like, to have their license. Just do it yourself. That's how I feel. Like, I feel like... I was so terrified of it and now I'm like, you know, because as they get older, they get these babysitting jobs or whatever and it's just a lot of, a lot of driving. And so (laughs) I think, um, I think about how many hours, I heard a woman on a, like an entrepreneur, like woman podcast talk about how many hours were added to her week when her daughter started driving. It was like 10 hours. Yeah. And I think that's probably, I think about that all the time. Like, oh, that'll be, but then there'll be another string cut of like right. oh I don't have that time in the car where we talk yeah. you know so it's just a, it's the craziest time I just feel like the most sad and like and like they're the best and this is wonderful at the same time it's just so confusing yeah. <laughs> but um yeah I just I want I don't know I'm like my older daughter wants to build a tiny house somewhere. I'm like, well, we have three acres. You can, <laughs> you can just live on the back plop corner. it down in the garden. What'd she say to that? She no, she's not. No. She doesn't want to do that. A tiny house somewhere. Yeah, in East Nashville. She wants to. Have you seen the tiny? Did you she drive has, by the tiny yeah, house? Yeah, she's fascinated by that. Because she wants to know how to build a tiny house herself. So she oh, wants to do that. There is that. Like, he was like a kid who built one. Oh, and like know. He she did like a whole big YouTube it. video, like how he did it in stages. And yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she wants to, at least she wants to be, she thinks she wants to stay in, in Nashville, but my younger daughter wants to go back to California, so yeah. that's far, that's far, that's far away. away. That's a long drive, yeah. or flight, or, uh, um, we think about, I'm, my daughter has it in her head that she's going to live in Paris. Oh, I'm wow, like, that's oh. very far away. That's very, and she's like, mom. When are you going to take me to Paris? Oh. I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I didn't get to go till I was 20. Yeah. What? Yeah, totally. You know. But that's the other thing. I feel like I, you know, they're finally the age where they can be easily cared for by others. Like if my husband and I want to go on a trip, but now I want to take them on the trips. Like it's right. just, I don't, I didn't, I wasn't prepared for what it would be like to live with teenagers. Like yeah. it's just, you know, difficult in some ways that I didn't expect and then kind of amazing. And you're like, oh, just when they get easy to be around and are doing their own thing um that's when they're about to leave yeah (laughs) oh my gosh my oldest just turned 11 and I took her and four of her friends to dinner and a movie oh (laughs) it was was the most fun I've had in a while it was hilarious and they're just they're young enough to be just total like not aware of like social mores where they have to not be ding-dongs yeah (laughs) and so they're just silly and funny and just saying whatever and like still like listening to me if I say things you're like oh tell me more about that and I realized like I was sitting at a table when I I never thought about it until I was sitting with them all at the restaurant and I was like these are all firstborn girls oh wow (laughs) yeah yeah Every single one. I was like, all of your friends that's, are firstborn girls. That's a certain so dynamic. <laughs> yes. And I was like, this is weird. 
because I'm not firstborn. I don't know how to deal with this. Same. Yep. But it was it was it was this sweet like I was and I would do it again in a minute. Like I was a little bit dreading it because I didn't know how it was going to be or if they were right. going to be like ugh whatever. Because I'm kind of getting that ugh whatever yeah. <laughs> thing happening yeah. from my baby girl who's oh, growing yeah. up and yeah. a little sassy and <laughs> and so I was like if this is gonna be like five girls with attitude I'm not signed up but they were yeah. so funny and fun and it was just one of the moms texted me and said my daughter said it was the best birthday party she'd ever been to oh, and I was like oh I'm precious. So <laughs> I love those. Mostly friends. just involved feeding them. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love my kids' friends. I think it changes when they get older too, because then you get a they talk about more yeah. in front of you. Like yeah. I get to hear all what they think about everything <laughs> and what's going on in their friend circle or whatever, because oh, they'll be talking in the backseat and I love it. Was it um there was this uh, guy, Matthew Sullivan, who has been a friend of ours for a long time. Oh, His yeah, secret. Yeah. I, Do you know him? Yep. Yeah. He was the pastor who married Matt and I. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> I used to follow, he would say these really funny yes. things. On, yeah. Song of Sullivan. Yes. Yes. <laughs> but he does, he had this one thing where he would like, um, you know, you can turn the volume up, like make it louder in the front or the back. Yes. So he would switch it to the back and then turn it up so they'd talk really loud <laughs> and he could hear what they were saying. Oh, no. I was like, that's so smart. <laughs> I do that sometimes. Oh, that's great. Don't listen to this podcast, kid. <laughs> you don't. You, you didn't hear me say that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's true. Like I just want to know what they think about stuff, and yeah, and just be involved in their little <laughs> lives. Yeah, yeah, it's harder to get the boys to talk, but the girls are yeah, chit chat. So, <laughs> gosh, I feel like we could talk for like another hour, but I we've know. already talked for an hour. Oh, wow, that <laughs> I know. Went by. <laughs> I know. It feels like. Um, I've had several people who are like, oh, that's really intimidated. I'm like, it's just like, we're just sitting right. and having a, there's just microphones involved. Right. That's the only Well, difference. we're also friends and haven't caught up right. in a while. So it's, know. it has been a long time. Yeah. yeah. It was a whole lot of like, hey, can I, hey, can I, hey, are yeah. you? Oh man. Yeah. Yeah. It, it feels like that sometimes, but, and then when we finally sit down, I'm like, oh, we're here. Having fun. Yeah. Good. Well, thank you so much of for coming course. on the podcast. It was wonderful. Thanks. And um, I'm going to put links to all the things that we've talked about in the show notes and your music and your kids' music and and Arasha. And hopefully we'll be seeing some more from from you in terms of, like, children's literature. And I hope so, too. (laughs) Excited for that. (laughs) Thank you. That's really fun. Yeah. Sure. Thank you so much. Of course. Appreciate you. It's good to be here. Yeah. Good. Bye. Bye.